Hello and welcome back to NG Meets. Another episode for you. It's episode 32. And this is the first episode that has been recorded during this coronavirus lockdown. Uh, for those who have listened to the last couple of episodes, you'll know that although they aired during the lockdown, they were all recorded pre that period. And in fact, conversation about the lockdown or, you know, the, the virus itself never even comes up. Despite the fact that, you know, we're talking to places like Luderati, um, which obviously has been hit massively. So not even a worry of this kind of thing coming, which shows you how quickly this has happened. It's quite incredible. Uh, this week, my guest is Alex Trasker. Alex is a co-founder of a of internet radio station, My House, Your House, which ran from 2005 to 2018. It, Primarily a house music station. It had a big impact, uh, both in Nottingham and beyond, and major major mark. But uh, it was decided to close the station down a couple of years ago, uh, feeling at the time that really there was no sort of avenue in this era of you know the way the way people were consuming their internet music and things. Uh, they didn't feel they could take it forward. However. Uh, upon the announcement of the lockdown, Alex decided to bring my house, your house, back, offering people something to enjoy during this time, but also a platform for for those DJs and uh, folks that couldn't get out and actually play at venues. So this interview you know, episode has actually come about as a result of the coronavirus lockdown, because having seen... Uh, what Alex was doing in terms of bringing my house your house back, I got in touch with them, and uh, so we got together on chat. This is a episode actually recorded over Zoom, and it's the very first time I'd ever used this app, which you've probably heard quite a lot about. You may have watched streams; it's become quite popular for streams because you can have the multi-window um, presentation of it and things like that. So it's it's been there's been quite a lot about Zoom. Uh, this was my first attempt at recording a podcast with it. Uh, it's not perfect, if you'll bear with us. Um, but I wanted to try and get content out out there. Um, I don't have a home studio set up as is, so as occasionally you may hear, you know, the, uh, the kids, the kids making a bit of noise in the background, etc. But uh, all in all, it's quite an interesting show. It was great to chat to Alex. It was great to find out about um, how he's bought bought the station back, as well as the history of the station and what that meant. We have quite a long conversation about the whole impact of the coronavirus, not just on on the station, obviously, and bringing that back, but also on the uh, music and creative arts industry as a whole, the entertainment industry, education. We talk about that a little bit, which Alex has got some background in. Uh, what it might mean going forward, what it might mean for my house, your house going forward. And we also talk a bit about uh, about the history of the station and Alex's uh, co-founder of the station, who sadly passed away in 2008, which was quite shocking for Alex. But that comes up in the show as well, so just be aware of that. Um, but it was a fascinating chat, and uh, hopefully you'll really enjoy it. As I say, this is the first um, episode recorded during the lockdown, and that features heavily 
in the episode. It also features heavily in the next episode coming up, which I'll tell you about at the end of the show. Uh, but for now, hopefully you're all staying safe and you know doing the best of this as you can. We don't know when it's going to end yet, but it's a bit longer, obviously, at least a few more weeks before things even start to ease up a bit. Um, so stay safe, you know, keep washing those hands, keep that social distancing, and enjoy episode 32 of NG Meets with Alex Trasker of My House, Your House. today with Alex from uh, My House, Your House, internet radio. Um, many of you listening have probably heard of them and they've uh, just come back after, it was about two years after ending it, have come back to in the height of obviously this coronavirus pandemic that we're currently in. So uh, first of all, thanks for joining us this afternoon. No worries, thanks for having me along. Yeah, yeah. It's a pleasure to, pleasure to speak to a different face at the moment. It? <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. Excellent. Obviously, um, as I've said to you, and uh, I'll probably say at the beginning, this is the first Zoom podcast recording we've done. Mm, um, you know, it's, yeah, unlike anyone. I mean, you know, I've been I've been watching a few, and I've seen a few of them, and it's I mean, it's fantastic actually that we can can do this kind of stuff, and that it doesn't everything doesn't just come to a halt mm. at the moment, and uh, and obviously that's something that played into you. So I'm just wondering. What what was it that sort of instigated the decision to to bring my house your house back? The decision to bring my house your house back was really um, through the fact. Do you know what? If I'm brutally honest, it wasn't some clever spark of inspiration, some light that went on, or somebody saying something, or some kind of pressure. We, as you mentioned, we shut down nearly two years ago. Um, my house your house at that point was thirteen years old. Uh, I hadn't been directly involved in it since about 2011. I still ran the servers. I still had all the keys, if you like, to all of the online bits and pieces, the domain names, everything. And was still in touch with people. But um, I hadn't, it had been run by another chap called Paul Denea. And then also just the format of it, it, it sort of ran without um, any central organization. I think that was the key to it lasting 13 years. Um, but it had kind of peaked and... We didn't want to go out with a whimper of um, obscurity. Uh, we wanted to um, call it a day and go out, you know, with the heads held high because the internet had changed so much in 13 years. So it went quiet. But we left um, the Facebook group active, which had 4,000 followers. And occasionally, every now and then, you would still get somebody would like the page on Facebook and I would get a, um, a notification saying oh so and so is like this page and you know for the last two years I've just thought oh, that's weird why would anybody like a, a page for a defunct radio station and then it was the Thursday night the day before the government announced that pubs and clubs and so on were going to shut but we uh, most of us could see this coming it wasn't a shock and that Thursday night somebody liked the page and the notification came up and I thought hold on a minute we've got 4,000 people here that follow something and that I know would just be so keen to jump back on because all these DJs that have maybe replaced 
that outlet for their DJing by DJing in bars and clubs and so on and so forth. And then the people that listened who would go out on Friday after work, go out at the weekend, whatever, and catch these DJs, suddenly we're not going to be able to. And because the internet had come on a long way, I, I knew that I could do this and that through connecting up a few things in a few hours work, I would be able to go live with a live broadcast, communicate with the people that had done it before um, and kick something off. A few beers were involved as well. So I, <laughs> I wrote the post and said, um, hey, we could come out of hibernation. And I promptly went to bed and I woke up in the morning to um, probably like a hundred notifications of messages, uh, replies on the post. And I thought, well, I've made a rod for my own back now. I've definitely got to do this. So I went into the office in the morning um, of my creative agency and uh, spent the day putting it together. And then we went live at 7 p.m. on Friday, the 20-something of March. I should know that. But yeah, so um, it, was, it was just by pure kind of chance, really. Um, but I'm really glad I did it. Um, yeah, it's given, it's given me a great focus. Excellent. Well, you're surprised then by just how fast and intense the response was. Um, I, I don't, I don't believe I was surprised, humbled, um, and overjoyed. Um, but the thing is that my house, your house was this community um, of people, uh, listeners and DJs who were into quite um, an underground. Uh, generally, a lot of the music we played, like deep house um is the global community is pretty small everybody knows everybody um and to spread a message amongst a community like that is actually quite easy um you know news travels fast and um it had always been such a positive thing there had never been any beefs my house your house never the point of it was never to make any money we never sold advertising so nobody felt out of pocket imagine if we had um if we were a commercial operation and we went under and um, people were left out of pocket or felt somehow ripped off or anything like that, there would have been some resistance maybe. Um, but there wasn't. Everybody was just like, great, let's do it. We've got time. Let's, let's jump back on board. So that didn't surprise me. Um, but what has surprised me is um, the number of new shows that we've picked up, um, the number of new listeners. Um, but that's obviously borne out of the fact that everybody is in the same boat. You know, the, um, the epidemic has uh, given everybody, it's leveled, a lot of people um, in society that we all share the same problem now. Um, yeah. So that's been great to, to create a new community. It's been very interesting actually. And one of the things I've seen is, is the way that the sort of internet community, the digital community has, has really sort of ran with things like we've seen, uh, we've seen a lot of new, new shows, uh, live streaming gigs, Mm. become quite a big thing you know performances people doing from the home which i know was already a you know you had things like sofa sessions and things like that but they've seen some great stuff and you know the fact that nowadays as well not only can you stream them but you can interact during these mm -hmm. gigs so people can stream and interact in the same way as if you're in front of a you know, not quite as a, but in a very similar way so it does have that live feel to it as opposed to just watching you know a streaming or watching a recording yeah. But also, so I've seen a lot of places are sort of uh, making things available at discounted prices or free. And obviously the, the, the homeschooling side of it, there's been some great resources pushed through there. Mm -hmm. And it's been, it's been really interesting to see a real global and community response to helping people adjust to this. Because obviously it's in everyone's best interest that we get through this as 
as best we can mm. and you know as quickly as we can yeah I, I completely agree and I think that whilst the shop can reopen um, and there is still need for supermarkets and doctors and hospitals and dentists and education and schools one of the things that's really suffered has been the um, the arts community um, because so much of it is physical engagement whether it's going to see a theatre performance a spoken word night or a dance performance and I've been talking about this with quite a lot of people that are involved in Nottingham in, in these um, circles you know there's there was a big um, the creative quarter host their lunchtime online meets which has been a really great thing to engage with um, and they had a chat the other day and people um, like Sandeep Mahal from Nottingham City of Literature on that call Ed Boot from Nonsuch Theatre um, somebody from Dance 4 um, representatives from the council that are you know that help do a lot of comms and marketing around the arts and then we were having a big conversation about is there a new business model for cultural organizations that has been just as you say it all existed before but it's been made clear exactly how that can be um how that could be used i don't think that it will replace you know the, the visceral experience of going and watching a dance performance or a spoken word show that's not going to be possible but it does give other options i think the thing that is really difficult is to make sure that these platforms are open and accessible because there are still people that aren't going to be able to engage that don't have the right equipment um, and we've experienced that with my house your house there is a vast range in technical ability to be able to get online and do it yeah. and then also just sort of the production values of whether it's somebody playing an acoustic guitar in their bedroom or um, a DJ at home, there is still quite a lot that has to go into making that sound. And if you're using video like my house, your house is and look good. And those shows that do have a little bit of technical acumen um, and a bit of care, extra care and attention are definitely attracting more people. Now that's always been the case with any arts organization, but it means that it's just yet another layer of skill that um, artists have to learn that's probably I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but it's it's an extra thing uh and I'm very fortunate as are many people that we do have some technical ability but I know from the technical support <laughs> overhead of running my house your house and getting about 60 70 DJs online I've pulled my hair out at times things that I find so obvious and I'm like how how could you not see that of course you need an audio interface to broadcast but that's 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 to, to me that's obvious but not to yeah. anybody else so yeah, we've got to be careful that it doesn't. If if there is a, a big replacement um, or a new business model in the arts culture, that it isn't uh, that small section of people that can then access it. Um, so I, I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know where that conversation is going to go, but it's certainly going to continue. Uh, yeah. and, and there, there are ex exciting things happening uh, in Nottingham that people are really pushing for that. So I think there's a major opportunity as a city to. Uh, to, to perhaps lead the way uh, in in ways that would allow us to catch up with um, other cities we perhaps have fell behind. Thinking of Manchester, Bristol, Leeds, obviously London. Yeah, and I think I think a couple of weeks ago there was a big um, I think it was called My Light, which was like a, a big music event featuring a lot of Nottingham artists about, and that was to help raise funds because obviously as you say there's a lot of uh, of a lot of art people within the arts community musicians artists that are, are losing their income mm -hmm. their primary income because they can't go out and gig mm. and uh they 
particular, especially at first, they definitely fell through the cracks in terms of the packages that were being put forward um, to help people. And mm. obviously, you know, it even even now, people are very confused by what help is available for who and things like that. And obviously, the very there's a very real fear that um, whether these artists will be in a position to get back out there again. Mm-hmm. And again, whether these venues, you know, despite all the help, unfortunately, I suspect we're going to lose a large number of venues yes, during definitely. this time. Yeah. And this is another thing is where, you know, and this is obviously something way beyond either of those, but is is how we come back from that when eventually we can get some sense of normality. Yeah, I, th- uh, I, th- I think the thing that's really scary is... Um, a lot of venues are going to close, but then we've also lost uh, amazing places in Nottingham anyway. Like the yeah. maze has not been closed for that long. Um, there used to be, you know, not so long ago, places like Junction 7, which was another just a great space for bands to go and play. And you could go there on a Tuesday and hear some like really bit like mad grunge yeah. like, bands. And then the day after you could go and hear some DJs playing dubstep on a Wednesday. It was an odd but an important place. So those have already been vanishing. I think that more are going to go, but there is now a new stage. Um, and then there are platforms like Twitch, which is what my house, your house is broadcasting through that give the, um, give the artists options to be able to monetize what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then there's also things like Patreon so that people can, they can own their audience a little bit. Um, they can also offer them packages to subscribe to their content, get exclusive content and directly make money from an audience in a way that perhaps wasn't possible and certainly wasn't possible in lots of gigs where you might get paid in beer or, of course, um, yeah. or myself as a DJ many years ago where uh, you'd get paid, but then you'd drink more beer than you were being paid <laughs> and yeah. you're the venue 10 quid like you were the blues <laughs> or something. So, um, uh, yeah, there is, there is a new stage, but people still need to go and see live music. Um, sure. It's never going to replace it. Um, but, yeah, you know, the next step is I think that um, as well as people have it owning their own audiences, there needs to be something, an organisation that brings that together and makes it accessible because it's not, um, it's not sensible to just be scraw- straw- um, trawling the internet constantly to find these individual artists. The benefit of a venue, say, like the Bodega is that, if you're into a certain vibe of music, you can just go and look at what their listings are. Yes. There needs to be a version of that that curates all of these independent artists' individual feeds of content. Yes. And well, I, I mean, one of the things that they often say about, you know, anything like like the current pandemic and adversity, and that it does generally, it does bring out the sort of um, the entrepreneurial side and the creative side of people. So if, if we are going to see something like that, this is probably when we're going to see it. Mm. Um, and we, as, as you say, because we are seeing so many interesting uses for, you know, uh, live streaming software, digital software, things like Zoom, in ways that before this, they weren't maybe being used a little bit, but not much. Mm. Um, although I'd say, I think one issue, obviously, I think in terms of if helping artists to monetize, to monetize their work, obviously there's an element of uh, getting them to know what those options are you know, things like Patreon. Patreon's great, but how many people are familiar with Patreon or understand it? Yeah. But also, the, is, is helping move the audience mentality away from the everything on the internet is free. Yeah. 
Um, but you know that that's i think that um there's a really interesting uh analog of changing audience behaviors um with music versus um films um people were yeah the, as you say the internet felt like a place where everything was free torrents were massive still are people still download yeah. stuff legally but then netflix came about and said if you pay us about 12 to 15 quid a month you can access all the streaming content and, and then Amazon as well. And people went, yeah, okay, fine. And um, then what they did, and I think that this was critical, is that Netflix massively reinvested in the production of content yeah. that they were streaming. Um, I think I read a statistic, I can't remember the exact amount, but second only to Disney in like two years ago, did they, they put, were they in terms of their investment in creating content globally? And it was, you know, billions and billions of dollars. That's what they've done, which was great. And it ensured that artists that contributed to that, whether they were writers, actors, and the whole creative ecosystem that exists around creating that content were being paid. What hasn't happened with music is where services like Spotify, they, they just leech a load of money off subscribers. They have been able to launch a subscription model, but the money isn't getting to the people making the content in any reasonable way whatsoever. And I think that that's a really massive problem that we have an opportunity to change. We're going to go back to a version of normal, which is completely abnormal. And I hope that we don't miss these opportunities. And if there was some organization that did help bring these um, artists together, um, but signposted, you know, to their own content and their own way of making money out of it, uh, and then invested in those artists and developing them and helping them launch their content online. You know, have the technical knowledge or just be provided because we're not we're not all going to be in isolation forever. Create some cheap spaces. You know, you have dark kitchens for um, Wagamama. If you order a Wagamama on um, Uber Eats, you don't have to go and your food doesn't come from a Wagamama restaurant anymore. There is a, a kitchen hidden on an industrial estate where the food comes from we can do the same now if you if you can't we don't have to have a music venue with all the overheads of maybe like the licensing costs um which takes a huge chunk out of it and the rates you have like a what's essentially a recording studio practice room set up already to stream really high quality gigs that with great cameras and maybe a couple of people and technicians on hand to do it that would be fab and then those organizations investing in having the bands come and play I think that could be a vast change and it will silence a lot of critics that have kind of popped up in the last few weeks um, slagging off um, the number. Oh, I'm fed up of seeing if I see another person sat in their dining room strumming a, a guitar or another DJ in their pajamas in their bedroom. Um, well, fine, don't watch it. But also I think that the, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there, there is a need for people to, um, have a, a, a decent level of production skill and ability to make it worthwhile and make people want to engage. Yeah, and obviously that that's ever more important given the ever increasing quality of the technology that people are listening and viewing that on. Yeah, in a way that maybe you know, ten years ago, um, the technology wasn't so good. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, band and things, but no. But back to back to the when my Ashore House was born in two thousand and five. Um, internet technology was completely different. I've described it as being like if you're if you're around a child um, every day, you don't really notice them growing up. 
But if you look back in photos of them two, four, 10, 15 years ago, it's, it's staggering. And that's what's kind of happened. We're just, the internet is so ubiquitous. We're all used to it. We've not really noticed how far it's come. But in 2005, you know, we um, certainly didn't have video chatting. Skype didn't exist. Uh, and the chat that I set it up with Eric Anderson in Norway, he and, and I met through an internet forum message board. Uh, how many of those exist anymore? And then we used MSN Messenger or AOL Instant Messenger to communicate. We had never even spoke on the phone. Uh, we managed to build a website and then he set up a server in his basement of his house because Norway had quite fast government um, subsidized internet connections. And then we had to work out, okay, what's your fastest internet speed? How many listeners are we going to expect? and then work out what the bit rate of streaming was. And we used to stream at 56K, and a fairly poor MP3 is 128K. You normally listen to two, five, six K MP3s to sort of near CD quality. We were on 56K. So it was listenable, but uh, rustic, I think. And, uh, <laughs> but, and, and it worked. Um, but yeah, the technology, in order to actually set that up was a bloody nightmare. Now anybody can connect to Twitch stream on Facebook and that was what changed, you know, like people could just go live on Facebook, Instagram, TV, whatever, find their audiences online. Completely different world out there for some lots for the better, you know, but, um, it's, uh, it, there's no quality control filter. Anybody can do it. Anybody can release a record. Anybody can be their recording studio and own record label and self publisher. So it's made fi finding the really good things hard. Yeah. And I guess as well, the trouble with that is, is it, it sort of tarnishes, it can tarnish the sort of people's attitudes towards the whole community because yeah. they see bad quality ones and they sort of put that sort of onto the others. They, they yeah, they, well, they, this they is, think that, that oh, yeah. that's what that scene's all about, poor quality <laughs> yeah. webcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And you say stuff out there, but people first impressions make a massive impact on things like that and um, so getting back to to my house your house and obviously were you surprised how quickly you made because you said you weren't surprised by how intense the impact was but you were surprised by how many new shows you've already managed mm. so so obviously it was a surprise people clearly wanted an output and of and then guess at this like you've said at this time as well never more so mm. um so how quickly was it that you were finding your just shows were building up and building up? Um, it was within uh, a couple of days. The news spread really quick. Um, we, I was a bit nervous at first, actually, because then after the initial, there's a lot of how often are ideas put forward and people go, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm really up for that. And then it comes to the day and then there's a handful of people that can actually be asked. And I was really worried that that might happen, but fortunately it didn't. And it was like a rolling stone gathering moss. Um, and I was, every day, my um, little lockdown routine of running my house, your house was to look at the people that had emailed me about, um, about wanting a show, get them. I'd written up the broadcaster instruction email, which um, as I dealt with people's technical problems, getting them set up grew somewhat and had a lot more red text in bold and in capitals about things to do or not to do. Um, so I would, I would get those set up. And then um, on the site, I still daily update the schedule. So swap the days around, add the stuff in and going through people's emails and 
actually setting them up, when do they want a show? What's it called? Because not everybody would email you and say, hey, I'm so-and-so DJ and uh, maybe I'm a new DJ or, you know, to my show or old. This is what my show title would be and so on and so forth. They'd just go, oh, hi, great. How do I get involved? So you had to go through this process all the time. Um, and I was introduced to another platform called Calendly, which allows you to sync it with a Google Calendar and you can set up um, types of meetings that people can book. So if you're a massage therapist, you know, you could use this piece of software for, to allow people to book their own um, slot for two hours on whatever day. So we did that um, and it's the request to show function on the site and that's just saved my bacon <laughs> literally on like, yeah. the amount of work involved because people can just book it now and um, it's, it's kind of self-policed and there's enough, enough bookings like it's not like we're being flooded and inundated. There's a little bit more management involved. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's kind of again run itself. Um, I'm, I have to do relatively little half an hour a day now yeah. something like that but fortunately i've got the time to do it and then the time the rest of the time is spent actually just listening to shows and um i can't catch everybody's show but engaging with the new djs especially new listeners um i wish i had more time to actually promote the station in terms of de generating content yeah. posting every day about who's coming up i try and do it as and when i can and that, i mean that gets more and more difficult i know from from running this and things i do that you know my primary form of promotion is social media and facebook facebook in particular consists constantly make it harder and harder to do that yep. unless you're willing to spend quite substantial amounts of money that most people running these kind of things can't invest in that and it get you know i mean i look at the stats and you put something up and it's so hard to get it viewed by people even yep. when you've got you know a few thousand people in the page it'll still come up and you'll see 50 60 people have seen it yes so I, it, I i i i run a creative agency and we do sort of what we do bleeds over into the marketing of our clients businesses and products and the thing that we see all the time is that um what we say to our clients is that the problem with having a massive facebook audience is you don't own it facebook does and they hold you to ransom with your own audience and then it's very difficult for the reasons that you point out, getting that engagement, getting a message out there. There's no guarantee. So I, more and more, I think that it's best left to um, the DJs on the show. We encourage them to actually post to their friends because that's easy to get those people through the door. And it's obvious which ones are doing it and which ones aren't. Um, I would say it could, it, it has an impact, probably a 50% impact on their potential audience if they've done some of their own promotion and Facebook seems to be a little bit more lenient about your friends seeing your own content but then it's about building it up elsewhere and again Twitch has a, um, a fabulous feature which is the fact that you can follow a channel and if you follow a channel then you allow notifications and you've got the app when my house your house goes live it will ping up on your phone screen and say hello we're broadcasting um, and it's great to have that um, other yeah. pay, other brands can build up email um, email mailing lists, uh, which are still work. You know, if they're not spammy and it, it's actually content that people are interested in, I think Facebook is uh, can be a dangerous tool if used wrong in terms of just leeching time and money away from you for not much impact. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really used Facebook much in terms of the actual boosting mm. um, side of it, but I've had a, a couple of little delves into it and then I got like I think they gave out like a voucher or a, you know a free amount 
And although it boosted it, I don't think it boosted it in a, in an amount that felt like I got value out of it. No. Um, in the, in the sense, you know, and like you say, it's and it's frustrating because you know the you know people have generally liked a page because they're interested in the information. Yeah, but and it's, you know, Facebook choose whether they actually get to see it or not. It's kind yeah. of it's kind of scandalous, but it's because then people would abuse um, the pages function if it guaranteed that it got content in front of people. I don't, I think that there's generally a, a, there's been an explosion in Facebook. Obviously, it's one of the most well, it is the most successful social network ever in a way that literally changed the world. Yeah. I think that there are benefits to that, but I think that we're seeing more and more that people are, are being cynical of it or realizing it's failings on many levels that we could spend days discussing. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think that it's finding its kind of home now, which is that people are taking it less seriously and certainly businesses and artists are realizing that y- you can't just be a hit because you're, you've got a great Facebook page. It's just part of a much, much bigger picture. Definitely, yeah, and I mean, I mean, and for, for all I'm, I've got faults with it, I probably wouldn't be able to keep any of this going without Facebook and Twitter and things like that. Yeah. So they do, they do offer a platform in not just in terms of being able to um, promote what I do, but also in terms of of finding people that I want to con- connect with. You know, so oh, absolutely, lot, yeah. most of the people. I've spoke to you know outside of ones that I I know, you know through data. Most of the people I've found are because I've seen what they're doing via Twitter or Facebook, Instagram things like that. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, that's interesting. It's particularly at this moment, and you're seeing a lot of, of people doing uh, doing different things in terms of to try and help support. So you're seeing organisations, you know, venues that are opening up their kitchen to produce food that can be then donated. Uh, you're seeing you're seeing companies that have been built, you know. Uh, helping to create equipment the ppe and things like that mm. and you know and then people like yourself who are you know have sort of relaunched and so, so things like that without social media you wouldn't know that kind of thing no exactly and so, the whole relaunch of my assure house was because of a post on facebook exactly and yeah. then communicating with lots of our djs via facebook it is a tool that's indispensable yeah um, and was again how um, in 2005 when we launched didn't exist no, it's when, not, it's, it, when it did it changed a lot for yeah. us it's almost weird to think of a, a time when we had the internet without facebook but there's quite a lot i mean i'm sure we all remember myspace yeah um, which for music for a first spell was actually brilliant for musicians the, the, i think um, one of the, the the fundamental differences between myspace and facebook was that myspace gave people too much control um over do you remember how many badly designed profiles there were that could do all kinds of crazy things and it meant that there was no consistent experience in using the platform um and that's where they lost out in a really big way when facebook came along and people struggled with it at first like oh this is just like this blue and white interface Mm. i can only do what you tell me and then um it worked (laughs) yeah and it was i mean in its early days it was so simple i mean this was there was no commenting on statuses or anything like that. I think, I mean, you could I think that the most you could communicate with someone was poking them and oh, God, the, yeah, throw right, in, throwing a sheep. I think you could do at one point. And do, do you remember when Facebook used to say, um, uh, it used to force you in your status. It, it said Alex Trasker is, and then you would have to fill in the rest. Yeah. 
So people actually had to be quite creative about, okay, how do I start off what I want to say with is? Because you couldn't just say is. Has anybody, Alex Trasker is, <laughs> who thinks the new uh, Game of Thrones series is rubbish? You know, <laughs> it has to be Alex Trasker is watching Game of Thrones and thinks it's rubbish. Yeah, that's But it, then people it. couldn't comment it on it either. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's mad how that all of that's changed. Yeah. And again, like I say, it shows you as well the speed at which things move on. I mean, mm-hmm. As you say, you started in 2005. That was pre-Facebook. And to think of a, a pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter, you know, and the, the impact they've had now. I mean, um, the, my, first, my, my first experience of um, streaming radio, and I think probably what inspired me to do My House, Your House, um, was uh, there was an organization called Groove Tech, and they had studios in LA, New York, no, Seattle, LA, um, London, and I think they might have had one in Sydney as well. And they used Real Player, if you remember that brand. Yeah. Um, and they used to stream at 32k BPS, so you can imagine the audio quality. And I thought it was the best thing on since sliced bread. It was the year 2000 that I was in at Bilbra College in Nottingham, and I used to record onto mini discs so many of those shows. That if you hear them now, they're virtually unlistenable. But I used to walk to and from college listening to those. And one of the shows in particular was Reverberations, presented by Rob Summerhays and a chap called Asad Rizvi, who's an artist called Silver Lining, who's still an active artist. And um, he did his first show on My Your House last week. And that was just to me a massive honor that from some, you know, one of the original inspirators, if that is a word, um, of what I do was now on my own station. Um, it's kind of like full circle, you know, but yeah, the, the, the technology then in 2000, um, crazy to think when you still carried a phone in your pocket that could store about 30 text messages on a black and white screen. <laughs> yeah. And if you wanted to listen to music, you had, I mean, I imagine, having... imagine being in lockdown then. Yeah, well, I've been saying about, I mean, I was thinking about imagining being in lockdown when I was at school. And I look at the, the way the schools have dealt with it in terms of getting work out, you know, communicating with the kids. They've all got Google Classroom. I think, well, when I was at school, they'd have had to, like, send out packs. Mm. And you'd have had to post work back. You know, I think um, at, the, at the risk of maybe putting forward a controversial point that is maybe um slightly irrelevant <laughs> so you may choose to leave this in or not um I've, I've i've worked in education myself um one of the things that was heartbreaking for a lot of people um a lot of students was you know they cancelled them doing their gcse's um and they couldn't have their leaving proms and that was awful for those people because it's such a rite of passage to yeah. do that that as a, as a 15 16 year old to have that taken away from you, that rite of passage, which then becomes part of your identity. And then you're left in a vacuum of, I'm going to have to spend summer with my parents. I don't have a job. I don't really know what I'm doing yet. And then you can still go to college and so on, you know, the guarantee and that's happening. But that must be so weird. And then it makes you question a lot of the examining anyway, if we're still able to put people into college and people into university and even, you know, more so kids from primary school into their secondary education and getting the right education for them. What's the point of all this testing? If it's, if everybody's so disappointed that they've been preparing for an exam for a few years, I think that's quite a, quite a sad 
situation for education to have got itself into. And then also the fact that when we do have to stop for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months or more, that there's a mad rush to try and have as much normality as possible, that education has to continue. Um, what about being a family and being safe, communicating with your kids in a way that hasn't maybe happened before? Um, there's a lot of learning through play. And if parents are with their children and having to entertain them, Sure, there's going to be kids that will just get plonked in front of Peppa Pig. And I don't always blame the parents for that. It's very difficult. But I don't think that there is the, there needs to be this absolute panic about, right, we've got to carry on. Because being a teacher is a bloody hard job. And having to suddenly adapt to doing that digitally and, and control a class and have some mm. semblance of being able to pull that together in order to tick boxes so that kids have still been educated for the right number of days in the year, I don't personally think that that's right um and i and i think that there will be positives out of this for the development of children and for families that uh, that are beyond that which our educational system provides yeah and i think i mean i can't speak for the whole system i can but i can speak for the schools that my children go to and i can say that you know one of my children is at primary school still he's only like year two so he's uh he's not actually prior even primary yet and but they've been really really good in terms of um they will set tasks and challenges but it's done to be fun and there's an encouragement to to not put pressure on the kids and like you said there's an encourage there's an encouragement to do things as a family to learn to go out and play and things like that so as i said i can't speak for other for the whole system but mm. I've been very impressed with the way the schools that my children have, have dealt with it. And they have definitely made it very, we've had good communication about don't expect children to don't try and sit your children down and make them yeah. work by a timetable. Don't expect them to do six hour. Exactly. I mean, days. to be absolutely clear, I think that schools are on, are doing a, a phenomenal job in a really difficult and alien situation. Yeah. Um, for everyone, you know, I, th I think that they're the, the, the people that work in their asses off to make this work are absolute heroes as well. Um, especially those people that are still in schools and keeping them open for key workers. Children. Yeah. You know, that's incredible. I think that the, the, my point is that the problem is um, endemic to the, the educational system, which mm. is built around examining and marking, uh, essentially uh, judging the, a school's performance by um, its exam results. Oh yeah, I mean, I could That's probably do a full a thing yeah. on that because I probably, as you, know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm not personally off-piste. Yes, and I'm, I again, I'm not a particularly big fan of the examination system, and I'm not a fan of the fact that they seem to have moved back more towards that and away from coursework and assessment work. I mean, yeah, well, it's, it's just like the examining five-year-olds. I mean, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's just unfair, unfair stress, but. A lot of that, I think, came down to, you know, reaction to being criticised for things being too easy as you constantly, you know, we constantly hear, don't you, in the media, oh, it's, it's so much easier than it used to be. Yeah. So then, but yeah, I don't know, it's supposed to be about setting these kids up ready to, to move forward, not stressing them out, mm. you know, where their entire um, future could rely on two-hour paper. 
you know, I know that's simplifying a bit. As you say, that's that's something that I could talk about um, like many for hours and uh, probably not solve it. Um, but as you said, it's it's such a weird time at the minute, and it's so it's been such a. Although I think, like you said, I think we knew the lockdown was coming, and arguably they took too long at that. But even so, if you think back to the the outbreak becoming sort of known about to now, even that is is so fast paced mm. that in December the idea of anything like this happening would have if someone had come if you'd have met someone it would come back from summer 2020 oh and by the way none of you're going to be able to leave your houses for for three months you'd have laughed at them yeah it, it just seems such a ludicrous thing that you think would never happen in this day and age and i think the way people in general throughout have, have adapted to this at the speed it's happened has been quite incredible yes and i, I, I agree and I, I think um now that we're sort of you know neck deep in it that people have a lot of people have found that new rhythm um that it's become i'm not going to say easier but um uh, you're more able to engage with that change there was an interesting thing about uh, i kind of touched on it earlier when i mentioned education that being in a rush to make things in this situation the way that they were before isn't the right that's not adapting that's only going to end up stressing you out and forcing you into something that is just never going to work. The people that did truly adapt and change things, maybe slow down, maybe change the focus of their teams, um, change the way that their workday goes. You know, my, my team at my creative agency, I, I said to, to them, you don't have to sit in front of the computer from nine o'clock till five o'clock. If you want to take a two and a half hour lunch break and sit in your garden in the sun and then spend an hour going for a walk because the government, you know, said that that's a good idea, then go and do it and then maybe do a, a bit work, bit of work later on. Um, because well-being has come sort of uh, been a bit more focused on, you know, people have got time to do things they weren't doing before, like my house, your house, you know, I, I've, I pretty much hung up my headphones last year. I threw in my last regular gig in Nottingham. Uh, and um, had, wasn't buying, hadn't bought vinyl really in ages, occasionally pop into Rough Trade and pick up an LP. But I've suddenly done all that again, and I've been DJing. I set up decks in my house for the first time <laughs> in 10 years and rediscovered these things that made me, this is going to sound cliche, all the stuff that made me who I was, the stuff that is my identity and my soul. And I'd been wrapped up in just making a business work every day and had forsaken, sacrificed all the things that I love. And I found them again. Yeah. And um, that's what I'm hearing from so many people that have had time to do the same as me, whether it's through my house, your house, whether it's through all the other arts and culture organizations, um, reconnecting with old friends. I'm speaking to people weekly on the phone now that I've, I've known for 20 years that I've kind of semi lost touch with. Just a huge amount of benefits and every, everybody, at least in my bubble that um, I'm speaking to, um, agrees that it would be an absolute tragedy to go back to what was normal before. Yeah. I think it's going to be a scary and bumpy ride, but I think people have suddenly gone, ah, oh, actually, I value that thing about me. Yeah. The time to create, the time to do whatever, read, uh, cook, bake, whatever it is. Gardening. I've got really into gardening. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, what, I think I agree. And, and there's, there have been ups and downs to it. I think the, the biggest down, arguably, is the open-endedness of it. 
yes you, it make that makes and it's and you know it's just the longer it, the longer it goes on i think the worry is there's a complacency that will step in but also more fear will step in how long compete you know how long will the government support people how long will uh, you know again talking to the schools it's, it's great but obviously kids not being able to sit to to go out with their friends mm. and as we get into summer and it gets nicer and nicer that obviously and you know we're quite lucky we've got a nice garden but not everyone has no exactly you know, but we know there's lots of people out there that that don't have any you know garden area and things like that oh, i've got friends like that that yeah. are just going bananas stuck inside <laughs> yes and but i also uh, my concern is i think um anyway if you if you followed it and paid attention to it you realize that while there's going to be eventually a relaxation there's a very very good chance in fact a high likelihood that they will then be an escalation again later in the year mm. we will probably maybe not a full lockdown potentially regional certain areas, but there will be other until we get to a mass rollout of a vaccine which you're talking at least 18 months probably and that's at rates never seen before this isn't going to be oh if they end it in six weeks that's it no. And that's, you know, I think that's going to be the second wave could be really difficult for people to to handle if they've got into a mentality that they've got through it. Yeah, um, that's kind of that. It does create a question for me. It's made me question a lot about how I run my business. Uh, you know, the function of having premises and that there are other ways to do that. The, the the way that my team has been so fantastic uh, in working remotely, whilst I want I don't want to all just work remotely and be a virtual agency, it does mean that there is a degree of flexibility that I'm, I can now give my team, knowing that it's not going to have a negative impact. And then also with my offshore house, about I'm being begged basically to to not shut this. The whole point of this That's going to be my next be question. <laughs> would be we would be here for um for lockdown, and currently. I don't know when this episode is going to go out, but we were, we were going to be open until I extended it to the 10th of May. Um, it might extend beyond that, but the idea was that as soon as like the, the door of the pub was open again, that we would shut. Partly because I don't believe that the audience, the, like, you know, everybody go, we want this thing. And then you give them it. And then actually people can't be asked. I mentioned that earlier. I think that that will happen with, no, keep my assure house going. But the, the, the listener figures are going to nosedive because their people can sit in the pub instead. Yeah, the options uh, are back, of, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and you, you, it's better live live music, you know, DJs, whatever, or just having a beer with your mates in the beer garden. But yeah, if there is a recurrence of lockdown again, do we throw open the doors again? Well, I mean, we can, because the, it's to switch it up on and off is actually very easy now. So I think I probably would, but I, I, I'm still... I, I still don't intend this like, oh, my assurance is just back because it's, it becomes a run-of-the-mill thing. But do we use it in a different way? You, you, know, you, you produce a podcast that has episodes. Do we do something like that? Do we curate like a my assurance event online every month? And we do a lineup of DJs so that we can push all month to get some people into that and go, it's a big last year's day. Here's the DJs you know and love. And that we've, yeah, we've been able to promote that for a month. And then we talk about what's happening next month. That might be an interesting model to explore, I think. Yeah. And that is, and that is very much, I think the way people, people's habits have changed in that sense that, mm. and one of the reasons for podcast success, and it's a similar to 
and you touched on Netflix earlier, and it's similar to the model of of the pick and choose your programs and that you know people don't watch telly or very rarely now watch telly to the telly yeah. schedule yeah in a similar way with radio um it's more a you pick and choose box set you know and you can do that with a podcast you yeah can effectively box set a podcast you know there are there are things out into where they are sick there are six episodes of it and that's it and then they might do a second season that is the and, hard thing about live online events is getting the we've still got to have the bums on the seats at the right time at the yeah. time of the broadcast and we have like you know you can access archives through anybody's twitch stream um it automatically archives what they've done and people are watching those so maybe it's not just doing a direct you know i talked about adapting and not trying to do a version of normal and maybe this is too much of a version of normal the idea of these are the set times on the certain day. Maybe we just create a platform that allows people to curate, you know, a Netflix style menu of yeah. all the, these shows and we promote it thusly. Um, yeah. Somebody's going to nick all my ideas from this and do them before I get around to it. <laughs> At least you've got this recording. That, yeah, you people know. have done this in Nottingham before though, or, or at least tried to do it when perhaps the internet wasn't ready. Um, you know, I could mention, uh, there was a thing called White Collar Zoo TV. Yeah, um, I remember them. And they were doing um, a chat called Lee, I know, was one of the guys. I, I can't, forgive me, I can't remember the other chap's name. And they were streaming gigs and creating like a subscription model for a few quid a month where you could go and on demand watch these bands. And I think that models like that might become um, yeah, more reasonable. Yeah, I mean, we actually did. I actually recorded a, a pilot um, episode of a sort of, interview chat show for them with them oh really right when they were first setting up where it was basically we had a it was it was a sit down it was similar to this but it was we had a couple of guests on someone came in and performed a live well look at the facilities that we've got now like um metronome yeah you know the power of um nottingham trent university and confetti but not just the power the amount of stuff that they fund they are pouring cash into things like the creative quarter um to uh nottingham city of literature and loads of other organizations and, and that's really important we've in, we're in a really great exciting place where technology need um uh, the uh, artistic and creative ability of the people that live in this city and the funding is there all of those four things right yeah and i think that now it just is going to take everybody getting together and doing something and that's uh, why there was this conversation about what is the new model it's there let's go and do it as a city yeah. i think I, I think it could be something could rise out of this that is really quite phenomenal but this guy i think there's going to need some adaptability because obviously coming out of this things like funding you know uh, academic, academic institutions yeah. that are going to be heavily hit yeah well i mean the whole uh, everything you know every, the economy is going to well already is but they, i mean i think they talked about the potential of it shrinking by a third which mm. is like, unprecedented in our lifetimes that makes 2008 um, crash and we saw the impact that had you know but i mean music is always one of those things especially in britain that um, has uh, flourished in yeah. times of people always need art, you know, art, the, the need for cultural um, sucker doesn't vanish because the money dries up. It makes it really bloody hard. Yeah. And it's for a profession that already doesn't pay very well. I was going to say, and it's, it's always it, one of the first to be hit, isn't it? As you see, I know you talked about education and when you look at education, mm -hmm. it's always the creative 
areas of music are they're always the first to have the budgets cut despite every bit of evidence showing that it actually so it brings back something like nine pound for every pound invested in it and and the other thing about education um not pumping um, pumping money into music and arts is that you know if you're being if you're learning academically and you're being set up to be a scientist a lawyer uh an academic in any field um, and that's the where the focus is you know english math science and that these are um noble respectable um uh careers and that to want to work in the hospitality industry or to want to be a musician is like some kind of like oh maybe maybe it's like if you want to do that or it's kind of like a deadbeat thing to do you know that's wrong because all those people that have that go through education and become that academic that have that career what do they do when they finish work oh they go to the theater they go to the (laughs) restaurant they go to the cinema to the live music gig um so why the hell are we saying in education or giving the impression to children in education that these things are less important that's that's wrong Um, again will this uh, will this go any way to changing that that perception you'd like i mean when we're seeing now how important all of that is for because obviously when you can't go out very often and you can't you know even just have that sort of daily routine mm. and one of the things that i think people are paying a bit more attention to but was overlooked a bit first is you know this is a health emergency obviously we've got to deal with the issues around the coronavirus but there's also a huge issue around mental well-being in this situation mm. you know because this is thrown so many we're throwing everyone out but they're in a, to varying degrees there are people that are isolated on their own there are people that are isolated in you know homes that aren't um supportive and welcoming yes and just in general you know it's an adapt an adaption for everyone you children are having you know their lives turned upside down in a ways that i can't even begin to imagine i'm so amazed by how well children seem to have adapted to to having basically you know their lives they can't go out with their friends they they can't meet up you know i know they can still keep in touch in a way that we i couldn't have done when i was a kid mm. even so and it, and it it does feel so fast as well mm. this hasn't gradually happened no it was so basically like overnight yeah yeah and i do think m- mental well-being and supporting that and the arts is so important to that to have you know uh, my wife was watching like a live a stream of uh, Les Mis and having oh, sorry Phantom and just having things like that is mm. so important at the moment yeah to, as, as, and it works as an escape into a degree because it's, a it's something, it's something and it's something to look forward to we can't go on holiday we can't go to the pub or and do all of the nice things that we used to do and meet our mates and get together for Auntie Flo's 75th birthday but what we can do is look forward to a live stream of something that we we love. Um, and that's what's been important, having something else. And it doesn't matter how small, just something to be excited about next Tuesday, next Saturday. Yeah. And they Definitely. are Zoom calls with, you know, 10 of your friends or, um, yeah, a live stream. I think that's uh, been important for people. And to a degree, they also make you be able to keep a track on things. Yeah, it's so easy. Yeah. Um, well, do you know what? We're, we're in the fortunate position that we, we've, we've, we've got a job. 
we yeah. um that gives us structure in our life you've got children and so on and the weekend is a weekend and a weekday is a weekday it's made me realize that there are people that um for them there there is none of that structure mm. um and that must be hard like i'm realizing for the first i'd never really thought about it in any depth and i'm like oh my god you know what if i was out of work through mental incapacity you know i'm struggling and then I lose all the structure of uh, of the work as well, and I'm sat at home. I'm I'm otherwise able, intelligent, um, but I can't do anything. Yeah, it must suck. So it's it's been. I think it's given everybody a lot of perspective. I just really pray that it means that um, people vote differently. They vote for organisations that are going to support our NHS. That they um, they they don't vote for things that are going to reduce funding. Uh, into the arts in a massive way uh i shan't say exactly what but i think it's obvious and um I, I, people people have got to change and i think given this bit of perspective and how nice people are being to their neighbors like let's let's for god's sake let's continue doing that please yeah i agree and i, re- I mean there's part of me that really feels like this could be a a real change but then there's another part of me that thinks yeah, well, it, oh, won't take, it won't take long till people... No, I'm prepared to be absolutely disappointed again. As yeah, I have you know, I'm seeing people now, the same people now that are praising all these, you know, the nurses working and that will be the same people saying, right, well, we can send them all back now, all these immigrant nurses and doctors. Mm. It's, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but, yeah. you know, I just, I don't know. <laughs> it just... We'll see. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think this will change attitudes, and I'm, and I'm sure it will some, but I don't know, people revert to type quite quickly, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get, I don't want to take up too much of your time, and obviously, as, as I said, obviously so much you could talk about at the moment, because this is unprecedented. This is actually the first episode I've recorded during. You know, we've had episodes gone out, but they were all recorded yeah. Pre all of this as well so it's the first time it's really been a subject oh brilliant and, and, I'm, glad, and, uh, I'm glad to do uh to be the first to, running a live streaming platform to then do a first remote podcast as well it seems fitting yeah exactly <laughs> and obviously it's you know we without of the <laughs> i don't want to make that but we probably wouldn't have been speaking had this not have occurred because obviously this is the reason you bought back yes uh my house your house and mm-hmm. things like that so you've talked about obviously you've got a, a stream you know you've got a nice collection of shows already built up mm. and I've, um, I've i've looked at some of the guests i mean i'll be honest it's not an area i know much about music wise but i'm I'm, a, I'm familiar with some of the performers uh like jody and coxie they did some shows for yeah for when i was working on i know um i think you've got rich p yeah, uh, he used to do, music. Yeah, that's he used to do. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was with uh, a guy called Zico uh, or Zisco. Julian, yeah, yeah. So I'm familiar uh, with a bit of them, and um, and I'd say you know your, your remit. I think you talked about your remit is generally house music, but also taking in those sort of genres that were the foundations for house music. Yeah, absolutely. You 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 generally find um, that people that are really into kind of like house music are um, house music was born in Chicago, um, and it was um, a kind of output from um, disco, which itself is informed by funk, soul, jazz, um, and 
all of those elements still combined and you, you generally find a lot of house heads just love music um and therefore it always seemed to make sense that we have night times are generally quite sort of dance music focused yeah tempos are higher um but then especially sundays uh we've had people playing um i, I dare say there's barely been a house record played yet and it's now five o'clock we've had um Asa, um, who's a chap in Nottingham, he's on City Beat Radio, who I think we should give a massive shout out to as well. Um, yeah. Nick Strang, who used to run Plates Records, is the chap behind that, but a load of Nottingham DJs, and they're trying to do more of a community radio thing, um, but that, that's going to be ongoing, and they have a physical studio that they maintain with Arts Council funding. They're doing a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Asa plays on that usually, but he's doing a guest on our thing. We've got a chap called Nick Clues who's been, he's an old, he's a broadcasting fanatic. You know, he has like a studio set up in his house and it looks like a, like a broom cupboard, but festooned with old broadcasting gear. And he collects old like jingles from obscure radio stations oh, wow. in Belgium and plays them. He's nuts, but brilliant. Um, the chap that I DJ with was on earlier, Rob Marsh, and he was playing, I mean, he opened a show the other day with Vaughan Williams, The Lark Ascending. Yeah, so we're going from that to really banging house music and and everything in between. But having that focus, like not you know, we're not we've got a drum and bass show. We don't have a trance show. Uh, we don't have like at certain types of house music. We we don't host their shows because you've got to have some identity. But it seems to work. You you definitely have a nighttime and a daytime vibe. Uh, there's a very strong representative of Nottingham DJs, of course, because I know a lot of them, and. Um, I mean, just looking at the next week's schedule, Chris Goss from Rugcutter's got a show. Coxie and Jody, who you mentioned, uh, we've got um, Benjamin from Dizzy Inc. Um, in Nottingham. Uh, a chap called Tim Beaver, um, myself, Rob Marsh, uh, Al McGowan, uh, Mark Rayner, uh, Luke uh, Richardson doing something with jazz. And that's just in one week amongst all the other shows. So yeah, a little bit of the Nottingham bias there. Yeah, I mean, that's, but that's great, isn't it? And it's, and but it's they're great. sharing a platform with, like, yeah. you know, we've got Lauren S. Mixwell, who's from Chicago. We've got DJs from San Diego, Texas, uh, Salt Lake City in Utah, uh, Arkansas, um, Milwaukee, Seattle, um, just at a glance, all, all this week. Excellent stuff. And it's given these people a platform, you know, they can't, like you said before, you know, in the same way that bands can't go out, they, they can't go out and play play sets at venues I'm, um, I'm a big i'm a big believer in 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 that in giving people a, a platform art just let just let give artists money and let them go and do their art um i think that where a lot of programs go wrong run by certain government organizations um that they try and force an identity on something behind closed doors decide what something's going to look like sound like feel like be branded like and then force it on everybody and go here here's this thing this is what we are now don't yeah. do that put them on use that money create a platform and then let people fill it let them fill the space my house your house has done that in a very basic way and then that thing we're talking about about filling the the, the, the vacuum of you know the venues are going to disappear put money into creating a platform and let people fill it let the people who who are doing it know what and know what they're doing let them lead it mm -hmm. okay so I, you talked about this obviously the station originally started um 2005 mm -hmm. and you mentioned that you launched it with uh eric anderson from norway which yes. is obviously uh, and you, you you mentioned to me but also the station is obviously dedicated to 
Eric, yeah, who sadly passed away in 2008, which yeah. you, you said to me was obviously a, a huge uh, shock it, for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Eric was, uh, yeah, he, he was my co-founder. We 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 had a shared love of this kind of music, and um, we had the right matching or um, con- uh, what's the word? We had the right skill sets basically between us. Uh, complementary skill sets that's what i'm thinking to, to to get it going live and then i remember two weeks after the first live broadcast we actually picked up the phone and spoke to each other and at the time bbc and channel four featured us uh, because they were amazed at this use of technology and then a few months later i would i had had a sandwich year at trent uni and that's when i'd set it up um and then i went back to that was in july uh, so at the end of that year kind of out in my studies and i went back into to uni in october and um Suddenly that weekend, you know, I had to fly to um, to Norway to go and DJ. And I did that a couple of times and um, first met Eric and we got on great and to meet all his friends. Um, and then he came over here and, you know, visited and we, we became great mates. And I remember for me personally, you know, I was I was a DJ that was sort of nobody really. I just played records in Nottingham, um, a city, by the way, with an amazing history of house music and was globally recognized as a home of a lot of incredible artists the whole diy sound system um charles webster uh, uh, inland night sold out uh crazy p who are absolutely massive schmoove um i could go on forever and you know still leave people out so for everybody else i've not mentioned big up to you um but i was i was nobody in this and then um and i'd always dreamed of of DJing uh it's like the kid that wants to be a premier league footballer to go and dj uh in a foreign country and be flown there to do it on somebody else's bill was my big thing and i remember being sat and going with eric to the club in stavanger small town on the coast of norway and sitting there after the gig and just suddenly realizing that i had come and touched that dream and that was a big deal so eric was a big part of my life um and then, yes, tragically, uh, complete shock to everybody, um, took his life in 2008. Um, and the whole community all over the world, you know, we'd, he'd been the, the year before we were at the Miami Winter Music Conference in 2007, um, a big global house music kind of focal point, a week of partying. Um, I think there's a serious side to it, but mainly it's about pool parties, cocktails and house music. Uh, and uh, he went over there. I didn't get to go. But he didn't. He met all our US DJs and he was one of the gang big time. And then he was gone. And um, yeah, as, as a community, we grieved. Um, and his name was always on the bottom of the site. Um, and we made sure that, you know, we, I spoke to his parents the day after. And, I, and still think about him. So to, to have that community that's there still through something he helped create, there's like a, there's an amazing legacy there. Um, and I think his I think his parents know that we're alive again. All yeah. the people that were part of his life. So yeah, it's always important to remember Eric in this. Yeah, I know, as you say, a tragic time, but it's great that he he left this legacy. Absolutely. That, yeah. that people and I guess um it was so helpful for yourself and all that you had that community at that time. Yeah. To help you through obviously it's such a shocking Oh yeah, well it meant, do you know what? It meant that there was loads of fabulous memories to share. And we just talked about my Shah's radio in my uh, Miami Winter Music Conference, everybody that met him, and um, it was just like, let's show all the good stories. There's, there's a recording of when I was in Norway, we did a two hour radio show. My, my, son, my slot used to be on Sunday afternoons. So while I was in Norway, somewhat hungover after the gig the night before, we, we did that show together. 
and I still have that recording um, of me and Eric having a right laugh. Um, and I, I, I should cherish that for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I think, and you said then, it was such a shock to you all as well. Um, and I think, like, we talked a little bit earlier about, obviously, the importance of of mental health support at the moment. Yeah. And, and things like that. Um, but, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, obviously, like you say, it's, it was a shocking moment for you, but you you, you had that, at least you might have been able to sort of forge that, um, mm. those brilliant moments while you had, and, you know, um, and you can still dedicate this work in his memory, which I think is yeah. brilliant. And uh, it's, I know you talked earlier as well that you said about some of the events you've done. I think the fact that you got to take this, you, know, you got to go out to, you know, South by Southwest. Yes. Or many people because it is, you know, it's, it's a huge sort of multi, uh, multi-entertainment mm. event in yeah, um, you know, I'm Austin, Texas. Austin, Obviously, I'm imagining there hasn't been one because it's usually around springtime, isn't it? I think. It's, it's yeah, they have to cancel this year. That's right. But it's, it has so much great. So that I mean, that's I imagine that as a. But that was another. That was, that was another example of I had I had absolutely nothing to do with that happening. <laughs> um, the South by Southwest came event came about because, and lots of our events everywhere they all came about. Not because I was the person that went, hey, let's do, let's be at my Winter Music Conference. Let's have, let's do a party in London. It's because everybody that was on the station gave a damn. And they were part of a community that, as I'd mentioned, that we, we, were, we weren't about money, we weren't about advertising. So it's not like if they pushed my brand, I was the one making them money. My assurance has only ever cost me money. Um, but what a great way to spend it. Um, so it meant that, 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 you know, they were part of something that they wanted to push because for the better of everybody in the community, it was going to be a good thing. So they had their connections locally. And um, it was a chap called uh, DJ Bonehead, um, <laughs> great name, Mark, <laughs> who down down in Austin, Texas, were um, had these connections and thought like, right, I'm going to pull this together and and create opportunity and there was a few days worth of parties at south by southwest again to which i was invited but because my ashwars made no money and i was a what was year was that 2008 i think i was broke um so i couldn't afford to go <laughs> but yeah we had parties in la we had like residency in hollywood in california uh parties in london liverpool from paul denea who's always been a major part of the station it wouldn't have been here without him for you know years and years and years he was up in Liverpool. Um, James Gunaka, Gunaka over in California, people in San Diego and events there. Um, just crazy that they all just went, hey, let's do it. And there was suddenly this brand present at these places without, with, without my involvement, just the passion of the people involved. Yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? And it's incredible what, what can grow out of these, these ideas with that passion in that right community. And, you know, I think we're going to see quite a bit of that. Yeah, I think the, the, the key is to, I think that the artists monetizing these things alone is, is the key. The fact that we were an experiment in, um, I'm going to steal here the, uh, the words of my hero, Tony Wilson. If you've ever watched 24 Hour Party People, um, you know, the scene where they go bankrupt as factory records. And he says that we avoided the, um, the, the danger of ever having to sell out by having nothing to sell. <laughs> uh, and that they were an experiment in um, human nature. 
Um, I'm not claiming to be Tony frigging Wilson, but uh, nor, nor would I want to be. But, um, you know, the fact that the, it wasn't about commercial success, it wasn't about loading a bank account, having loads of advertisers. We always said, like, if you had a show on My House, Your House, you could have, we had like a little event feed, you could put your event in it. It just meant everybody was in it for the right reason. Yeah. So whatever platform, other platforms come out of this, there is a way for artists to make money and for the platform to be funded without hosting adverts for wish.com. Personally, just staggering to, I think, to think of it launching when it did. Because as you say, the internet, the way music is presented on the internet, like, has changed so much. I mean, back then, I mean, the, the concept of a podcast, you know, was not, wasn't even, I mean, it's, it's that predates mm. podcast by two years. I think you're talking to... 2007, early days of that, maybe. Yeah. You know, I'm not even sure. Was the was the was the iPod even a thing then? Which is where the podcast comes from. Yeah. So you know, internet radio obviously exploded over the following years. But back then, you really were sort of a um, like you said, it was an experiment, and you were, I guess, one of the sort of starters for the for that kind of style of presenting music. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there, there were, the, the, the technology was there, you know, so there were, I wouldn't claim to be some kind of pioneer. Mm. There were other people doing it, but it was really isolated. Um, and I, I mean, I look back on the first version of our site and how basic that was, but we did it in a way, in a positive way, with um, very lucky to have a really amazing group of people supporting it and DJing on it as well, that just made it, I think, well, it lasted for 13 years, uh, entirely based on donations to pay yeah. the server fees that we eventually had. Um, and, you know, I'm interred, everybody's indebted to each other for that and then for it happening again. And, um, yeah, it, it was just chance. And um, the internet has done great things to make that possible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, back then as well, I would imagine, thinking back, I mean, I, I lose track of it, but you actually would have had to sat that sit down in front of the computer to listen to it back when you launched mm. you can't you weren't like you said you there wasn't you weren't able to stream it carrying it around in your pocket i mean i think no i remember getting listen, i remember it was 2008 and i got a 3g <laughs> dongle for my laptop and i was yeah. just like oh my god I can, to, I can listen to my house your house in a field yeah um <laughs> And that was that. What I could do that when my laptop battery would last long enough, and when you had a three G signal strong enough, which was not that often. And then when you had, because I vaguely remember having one of them dongles, and I don't recall them being particularly cheap either. No. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, like whereas now people have done broadcasts from like the back of a truck in the middle. Yeah. Of the day, you know that's entirely possible. Um, and going live from your phone, um, your iPad, whatever. Um, there's there's no end of possibilities. Yeah, and it's incredible. But obviously, and as you talked about, one of the reasons behind the the, the original uh, site closing down was that just you know there's so much out there and so many different ways that it's so difficult now. And people did to get yours out of there. it. Yeah, you know, like you, you, your boiler rooms and your uh, NTS. I love NTS. Um, I think boiler rooms become a little bit too trendy and commercial actually um no disrespect to any of the artists on it at all um but an nts i love i mean it's part of my life in lockdown charlie bones radio show every day nine till 12 
Uh, I'm not being paid for that plug. That, that's just great fun. He's such a good presenter. It's such a good laugh. But they're bloody good at it. But also, I mean, a lot of the DJs that are on there, you've got people like Floating Points and Moxie with regular shows. Um, serious artists. There needs to be that in-between of, um, you know, between somebody being an artist that's not played out to being somebody that's booked and mega sort of, not mega star, but somebody that's getting, that making yeah. a career out of it. And I think that platforms like My House, Your House are that. That there's people down there that run record labels and are extraordinarily experienced DJs. You know, this isn't some like amateur hour, but it also is people, again, it means that they're, they're people that are in it, that they've got jobs, you know, that whether they're selling beds and carpets or whether they're doctors, teachers, nurses, uh, or whatever, me running the creative agency, you know, um, it's just a passion. And when you've got people yeah. that are just doing it for the passion, for no money, it, stuff's going to work. Yeah, I think people, one of the key things, I think one of the, you touched on one of the reasons you guys did so well is it the passion and love for it. People can see when that's not genuine. Mm. People can see through that, particularly if they're from, if that's their world. Oh, it's, it's pirate radio for 2020. Yeah. Excellent. Um, right. I'm going to wrap up shortly. Obviously we talked about um, moving forward. You said that, I think you said that you've just announced or, that you will now keep it going into May. Yeah, um, tenth, it's currently the 10th of May, 10th pending of May. Um, any update from the government about when things are going back to normal. I think it's yeah. literally the day the pubs open, I think our days, our hours are numbered. Right, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> paying, having heard or read what they're talking about today, I think even if things start to open up in three weeks, the pubs are at the back of the queue. Yeah, right. Maybe the pub, pubs and hospitality. Yeah. So... So that, so that obviously that's the short term future, mm. and it's, as you said, you can't really make too many decisions about beyond that until you see the impact that ha- yeah. that ha- that's had by the loosening of restrictions, as you say. Until you see the impact of, I, I don't like to call it normal because I don't think it'll ever be this. I don't think things will ever be resort to normal in the same way they were. Mm. Um, before this, not least for the fact that this is going to have a long-term impact anyway, running on. But when pubs do open and venues do open, obviously, it's only really then that you can sit down and and look at the impact that has and where you move forward. And you, you know, you talked about a couple of possible ideas that you have. Uh, I won't bring them up again because we don't want to keep giving people all the <laughs> ideas. <laughs> But yeah, maybe next... maybe something kind of uh, curated and irregular, but could yeah. still be broadcast live as well as archived. Yeah. But then also, I think um, I I, I want to see all my friends, all the ones I already know through Miles Charles, because we when we did the events, we all used to hang out. I've made friends for life um, through this all over the world. Um, Kyle Douglas, who presents house cleaning from Seattle, he and his girlfriend came and stayed with me in London for uh, Bank Holiday Weekend last year um, for the weekend and like you know they're like close friends now what i think that what i do want to do is get all of those people together maybe next year well it will gonna have to be next year um and maybe do some kind of like semi-private music festival you know you get like 150 people together for a weekend 200 people really small on like a farm complex in the middle of bloody lincolnshire yeah that 
would be great because it, it's just a present for all the community and we can get like all the american crew can fly over here if they, they can afford it and um and we'll do that I th- there's people calling for oh start doing regular events again um i know that that is a thankless and difficult task that mm-hmm. frankly i don't have time for um unfortunately i'd love to but it's not gonna, it's not feasible um but it has, yeah, I think that the most important thing for people during this time is that it's given them something to look forward to, DJs and listeners. And for me, that I've discovered a major part of who I was again that I thought was gone. Right. And that, there you go. And, that, and that, that's something, you know. So that's what's in it for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think we're all looking to take what we can out of this. You know, yeah. none of us, and, and one of the big difficulty things is the lack of control we've got over this situation. Mm-hmm. and you know having your sort of routine just pulled under you and i think we are all looking at taking the the best that we can from this mm. and there because you know it's you have to try and look at it it's not everything about it is negative and i think it's great like you say it's great that it's it's sort of reawoken a love it a passion that you thought you'd lost mm. so that you know that's great um, i'm sure you've You'd have liked that to have happened in a different way, but you know, know. as I said, happens at the right time. Yeah, none of us could have foreseen this. None of us have got any control over over what's going on. You know, beyond looking after ourselves and the people we care about and the community. And I think it's I think it's great that you've that you've relaunched this and that you're offering you you know a time when people are really looking for stuff to to lift them and to, and you know, to escape and to look forward to, which I think you said earlier and yeah, more yeah. than anything, just yeah. to have something because again, I think I said, because at the moment we really don't know or have an end for this, you know, all we have at the minute is they're going to review it. At some point things will relax a bit. And at some point, hopefully we'll have a vaccine, but beyond that, there really isn't, you can't sit there and go, I can't wait till july when i can go out for a a drink or whatever so just to have those little things to look forward to Mm. whether it's a live stream whether it's um you know one of the the podcasts whether it's the acts that (laughs) you know the shows that you've got particular shows because i'm sure there are you know everyone always has their favorites so just i've got my favorite and and even say which one (laughs) no of course and even the fact that you can say oh and i know they're on and it helps you structure. It helps you structure things. Yeah. So it's. I think it's brilliant that you've bought it back. As I say, in, you know, and perhaps some point down the line, we'll be able to to reconnect and chat about whatever it is you do decide to do with it next. Mm, yeah. Um, whether it is a an event or or something like that. Uh, before I go, though, obviously the key thing that we've not done yet is told people exactly how they can find my house your house oh yeah so, you know, <laughs> uh go- google it um yeah my house your house or one word.net um or twitch.tv slash my house your house radio or you just search for it on twitch bang it in google it's going to come up um follow us on twitch because then you get notified yeah. search for my house your house on facebook and there is a page that you can like as well and then facebook will guarantee that without spending loads of money you never see our posts uh <laughs> but um just keep running by the site um and check what's on if you're into house music swing by in the evenings um and you, you'll have stacks of it if you're not 
then swing by it from the shows from 10 a.m. Really, I mean, a lot of days, especially weekends, we go from about 10 a.m. to about six in the morning. But um, earlier shows, yeah, there's, there really is something for everybody. Soul, funk, disco, down tempo. Vaughan Williams, The Lark Ascending, as mentioned, played the other day. And that, that's not some unusual, like, wacky thing. We just like music. So go and have a look. You might be surprised. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out and having a chat with us. And uh, oh, It's been an absolute pleasure, Darren. Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting Brilliant. me on your uh, podcast. No problem. Stay, stay safe. And uh, like I said, hopefully we can catch up again when things have got a bit more uh, sorted, no, no, as normal as can be. Yeah, we're not allowed to use the word normal. When, when things are, when we can see people again, when you can hug a human being that doesn't live in your house. <laughs> So a massive thank you there for Alex to for chatting to us um, for being the first NG meet guest via Zoom. Uh, unfortunately, he had a bit more experience in that than me. He, I know he used that quite a bit, but it, it went quite well. It was great to chat to him. Um, I think Zoom, you know, the fact it offers the video side of it as well, makes that seem more, gives it more of a similar essence to how we would normally record the show in a face-to-face way. Um, but yeah, I think Alex brought some fascinating points in that show. It was interesting talking about, obviously, um, of how how those in the arts are trying to utilise the various technical options or technological options and digital options available to them, but how that can be best utilised and what it might mean moving forward uh, in in many areas of life. But at the moment, obviously, we are battling through this as best we can. And it's great that people like Alex are out there, you know, doing what they can to try and help alleviate what is a very stressful time. Um, you know, making the station available is, is offering something for listeners to enjoy. It's also offering an amazing platform for uh, performers and DJs who at the moment have seen their, you know, options to, to present what they do massively limited so i think that's fantastic and it's going to be interesting obviously to see what happens with my house your house moving forward and uh, we mentioned at the end there maybe we can be able to catch up with alex some point down the line and find out find out what actually happens there um so that's that for this week's show next week's guest is um louise cook from shareware clothing campaign and they're an organization they uh they collect clothing donations and then you know get them out to people that need them they work in a sort of similar way to to the food bank with a referral scheme as well as also dealing with organizations such as nhs refugee forum things like that uh so i had a chat with uh with louise because after i uh i saw they were celebrating their their sixth anniversary in march and uh, we're having a chat then, and then obviously with everything that's happened, um, 
as an as a charitable organization they've been had to adapt massively not only in how they're able to serve the community and the people that need the help which has obviously increased but also the impact that's had on the people that can volunteer and how they can receive donations from people so that was a fascinating chat and obviously we talked a bit about the history of shareware why it's so important how clothing poverty you know is overlooked massively when compared to things like food poverty and etc so that was an interesting conversation and i hopefully you'll enjoy that next week um again that was recorded on zoom um hopefully uh, we can keep these going we've got other shows we're hoping to get recorded in the next couple of weeks as soon as they're all uh, confirmed and recorded we'll let you know who those guests are but we've got some pretty exciting guests coming up and we're talking to others trying to keep these shows coming for you you know during the lockdown period um and give you something to enjoy but hopefully you all are enjoying the shows let us know what you think i'd like to know what your thoughts are on this this first episode where we talk about what's going on at the moment and people's views on that and uh, all i can say is you know keep safe hopefully you're all doing well i don't know about anyone else but it's it's playing havoc with me routine wise um, i am working from home in my day job but it, other than that i'm just in homeschooling in terms of the kids but i mean i'm recording this uh this segment at four o'clock on a sunday morning which I think says a lot about what impact it's having on routines and sleep patterns. And I'm seeing a lot of people talking about that. So very strange time for all of us. Uh, hopefully you're all handling it as well as you can. Obviously a long road ahead. We said in the show, one of the hardest things is the somewhat open-endedness of it. We're seeing a lot of things in the media about this might be happening, that might be happening. You know, talking about allowing group pins again, talking about schools going back. But, you know, I think it's going to be, um, I don't know. I really don't know what, what's going to happen. And I think it's, we're just going to have to keep an eye on it. It can change so quickly. So much could happen. And uh, all we can do is, is keep doing our best. I hope everyone out there is staying safe. I hope you're enjoying these shows. And I hope you're doing the best you can to to make them the best of this tough situation. Um, that's it for this week. Again, stay safe. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know what you think. Almost completely forgot, but of course you can get in touch with us. Facebook.com forward slash NG Digital at NG Digital UK on Twitter. All episodes, of course, ngdigital.podbean.com and on uh, you know, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever it's called. Now, Spotify, Podcast Addict or wherever it is you get your podcasts from. Uh, episodes also, I'm trying to get some of them onto YouTube if you want to check them on there. But do let us know what you thought. Uh, give us a you know give us a review on iTunes and that if you like the show. And we'll be back next week. But for this week, that's it. Thank you. Stay safe and goodbye.